Cubs fans, welcome back to another episode of Cubs on Tap. Uh, it took forever, it felt like, to go live. The countdown was counting down, and I could not push live on this StreamYard thing. Apologies anybody watching live. If you are watching live, please go to YouTube and hit us up in the comment section, because uh, hopefully yeah, Elon Musk is going to change this. But we can't see... Your comments uh, on Twitter, if you're watching on Twitter. So go to YouTube, definitely comment us there. Back again for another episode. We are, we, we're coming off of a win, a third win in our last 12 games. Thank God. Thank God. Juice is with me. It's Joey knows nothing. I literally know nothing. And at Juice on tap, the juice is loose. Joey and Juice, how you doing, Juice? Doing good, man. I wish I could say the Cubs were doing well. Uh rough kind of two series here and uh it just hurts when you get your butt whooped by those guys up north man in any sport right it seems like we've been taking a lot of l's to milwaukee and and the wisconsin area for a while pending if you're a bears fan or a, a bulls fan and obviously the cubs being in the division with the brewers and the brewers kind of owning it for a while man but i'm excited to talk about you know, some things that we're seeing that are good and obviously a lot of bad as they're, you know, kind of struggling through here. But I'm just happy to be on the mic with you, man. I, I know that our guy Ron Luce, not on today. I don't know what he's doing. He's probably calling one of the thousand games he's calling over at the college over there. Probably like probably like fourth grade volleyball or something. You know, some some little kid group came in and he's he's up there calling the you know, the, the little <laughs> volleyball game out there, man. And and that's just – that's Ron Luce for you, man. He's going to be – one of these days we're going to see that man, if it's not like with on tap, he's going to be one of those big-time broadcasters like like Boog. Just we're like, man, I worked with that guy one time, and he's just a, a creature of a man. And what a, what a guy. So, yeah, we're going to try not to steer this ship into an iceberg, um, and pun intended because it's been – Cold as hell around Chicago for May. And uh, yeah, man, should be fun. I know uh, we don't have any a lot of good to talk about, but we got a lot of things uh, that I know both of them are, are kind of like, you know, brewing in our minds. I've seen some of your Twitter. I've obviously I've tweeted a few things about the team recently, and uh, there's a lot of news going around and a team that's kind of really struggling right now. Team that's really struggling, no doubt, and I'm glad you brought that up about Ron. The legend of Ron Luce at Luce on Tap, it, it, it's going to be legendary when this book is finally written. Um, but And I hope, like you said, I hope we don't screw this thing up too bad tonight uh, and it's still entertaining. I, it, I mean, it's always entertaining, I feel like, uh, when we're especially when we're all together. But we're going to get us all together uh, soon, hopefully. But... Um, yeah, struggling team like not right now, like you said, Juice. Uh, it was good to salvage something against Milwaukee. Uh, looking at this, and I I, I want to pull up a comment real fast here from <laughs> our boy Scott Crawford. Shame on Ron. Absolutely shame on Ron. Shame. Uh, but here's the thing. We salvaged one against Milwaukee. We only won one against Atlanta in Atlanta. Um seeing a few different things here and i mean we could recap game by game and go through here but and and i probably will outline a few things in a second but it, it just feels like milwaukee for that series a lot i know i'm starting kind of in reverse here but the first two games of that series wrigley north it was not wrigley north for the first two games of that series uh hendrix a clunker 
And then the second game, they had the Steele outing on Justin Steele Day. We had some terrible defense going on. I mean, just all kinds of stuff. Only put up two runs combined. Outscored, I believe it was 20-2 to two in the first two games of that series. Christian Yelich, he made us pay for the, you know, yelling Yelich sucks from the bleaches at him on opening day. All the <laughs> shit, all the shit we gave him opening day, man. He made us pay that series along with Hunter Renfro. Uh, quick thoughts on like the first two games of that series, I guess. Yeah, I think, I think the Cubs need to pick a lane, right? You either got to score a lot of runs and compete with these teams that are going to beat up your starting pitching, or you got to pitch better. And I think if you're a Cub fan and you're kind of looking you know, for where the easiest route for that is, it's, it's probably a little of both, right? They, they're, they got to score more than one run a game. Uh, if they're really thinking about, you know, making some noise, they're having some real trouble, man. And and the offense too, I think if you took the 21 uh, run game out from the pirates, they're not looking so well. And you know what? They don't have a lot of power. They, they kind of go through these ruts and, and kind of look really easy to work through if, if you're a starting pitcher, but I'm going to be honest, man. I think that what alerts me, what concerns me even more is the starting pitching. I I expect Kyle Hendricks to be so much better than this, and he's just not. And it's kind of flipped into May, and I know he's always been a slow starter, so I'm holding on to hope. Like, I, I hope to God that this is – we're getting the, the next four months of good Kyle Hendricks, but we haven't gotten – what seems like a, a decent stretch from him in a long time. Cause if you date back to like the last month of the season, maybe the last month and a half of last season, he was bad then too. I think he had like a seven or eight ERA and just didn't look, you know, interested in pitching. And I know it's tough too, when you trade, you know, some pillars from a team that won a world series and he's a competitive guy. Like he's a guy that hates to lose at literally anything. If, if you follow the Cubs since 2015, everybody always answers about the locker room saying that Kyle Hendricks may be the most competitive one, you know, out of, out of any of them that is in there. So keeping him around, I thought was, you know, a really good stepping stone for these young guys to learn. But Kyle, like, is just not putting together competitive pitching performances. And, like, that's when it kind of concerns me. And I start to question, I don't know about you, and I hope I I, I don't want to go like full nu- nuclear on this and say Kyle Hendricks is done. Because I, I, if anybody is going to be, be able to pitch through it and have the, the baseball IQ and the smarts to battle, it's going to be him. But he just doesn't look like the guy who, as of right now, pending this could completely turn around, the guy who's going to age well. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't have... Like the normal idea for a starting pitcher, in my opinion, is throw hard. And then as you go through your your career, you age more to the guy like Kyle Hendricks, where you you know you, yep. you rely on location. Where like Kyle is always going to be the location guy. And when he's not effective in hitting his spots, he's gonna get hit all around the yard. And we've seen that in the first half of this, you know, first month of this season. Mind you, it's just a few starts. I don't want to jump off the off the uh, bridge yet of Kyle Hendricks, but man, it's concerning. And you're getting Justin Steele hasn't put together a good performance in, in what seems like a while. You know, even he's kind of struggled, and they just don't have the high leverage of arms at the top of this rotation. I think to consistently 
play the way they've played offensively and win baseball games. Uh, that's the truth. I mean, you're not saying anything wrong here. Like it's, it's kind of concerning or very concerning when you look at Kyle Hendricks and you look at this rotation and even Justin Steele lately has just not been like I had higher hopes for him coming into the season. And he showed that some of that early on and lately it's like, you know, you're not getting depth from him. You're not, it's like, it's, it's real questionable here. I mean, yeah, you can have some, some uh, errors and stuff that are playing into this with his outings, but some of it was also on him, like weird plays down the first baseline that he's, you know, I mean, that's kind of like those are random plays, right? Where he, he loses the ball trying to tag the guy going down the line. Weird plays. I agree with you on Hendricks. It's like he's the type of guy that you would expect to age well, but like after so long, you wonder, you know, if teams are just catching on to him and his, you know, he has maybe he's losing a little bit of that command that's like it's just not quite as sharp. And when you don't have that overpowering stuff like we've talked about, at some point, you know, when do you when do the wheels fall off and is this a sign? I mean, he did have a good outing against the Pirates the last time, though. Uh, before this last clunker, it was, what, seven innings, two hits, something mm-hmm. like that, no runs. So I'm wondering, like, are we just getting this fluctuation with a guy like Hendricks? I mean, even Stroman, like – Stroman wasn't pitching his greatest. He had, he turned in a quality start, and maybe we can go back to the Atlanta series here now as we were working in reverse. Uh, Hendricks or uh, Stroman, excuse me, he he turned in a quality start, but he still gave up three runs in that outing, I believe. And now this last time on his birthday, thirty first birthday, the Stro Show, you knew it was going to happen. Like turning up for your birthday, let's go! I. I that's just kind of what he, I, I thought it was going to happen. Like right away, put money on the Cubs money line, plus 190, whatever it was, had to hit it, uh, felt great about it. Stroh went seven innings, uh, two hits. I had the line pulled up here. Let me go back to it. Um, seven innings, two hits, one run. Or excuse me, no. Is that even – why did I have the one run? No runs. Supposed to be no runs. One walk, five Ks. Cubs win, two nothing. Uh just absolutely ridiculous. Then he had Wick holding it down. Uh, he's been incredible, too, out of the pen. Robertson, fifth save of the year. Only one hit allowed so far for Robertson, Robertson and 14 Ks and 10 innings pitched. That deserves note because, uh, I mean, if we are going to talk about some positive things, there's a few guys in the bullpen that have really been holding it down. There's like uh, four or five of them that have been really, really legit all year. Um, and we can get into that in a minute. But I'm just wondering, like, back to your original point about the starting pitching. Like, Stroman, I think we all kind of thought, yeah, he's going to turn it on at some point. Like, this is going to be – he's going to turn the corner. He's got to find himself a little bit. Maybe that's the case with Kyle starting out slow. But after that, it's like – I don't know. Smiley's been pretty solid for the most part so far. He's still got an ERA under three. Uh, you know, when's Wade Miley coming? When's Alec Mills coming? If he's going to the rotation, does Keegan get inserted into the rotation? I don't know, man. I got a lot of questions still about this rotation. Absolutely. Yeah. And and you start, you, you mentioned, you know, Wade Miley and, and even Edward Alzale. Like, when are we going to hear anything about him starting to, you know, ramp up his throwing and things like that? I just, it almost seems like a continuation of last year's case study that I kind of alluded to last season that if the Cubs aren't going to blow people away, then it's going to be difficult for them 
to win baseball games because the game right now is throw 95 or higher, throw it past a guy because all these teams are setting up their, their teams for home run walk or strikeout. It's the three outcome, you know, type of baseball you know, type of era that we're in. And with a guy like Kyle, it's almost like it's almost like they're sitting on every single thing that he's done over the state of his career. <laughs> and now it's like, oh, this is we just had to wait for this. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's a lot of like getting behind and his walk rate is higher and he's he's walking more people than he has before. I think he has a, a, a four walks per nine right now. It's almost I mean, like he's nibbling, like yeah, he like knows he's a, that he's off a little. Like yeah, and I think that's really concerning too, because I, I don't know if you remember back in like he was phenomenal in 2020, and going into 2021, he talked so much about needing to throw that curveball more often, and I don't know if it was the last couple of starts of 2020 where he didn't look the best where he's like, man, maybe I need to change some things because hitters are starting to catch on, but he's never really had that curveball, that electric curveball. You know what I mean? It's more like the get over pitch just Mm -hmm. to show it. So it has to keep the hitter honest. And it's always been the splitter and the two seamer and the changeup. You know, that's, that's just kind of always how he's, you know, nibbled away is around and maybe within time he hits his spots, but, it's just really concerning to sit here and watch him and think I <laughs> a, the guy is going to rely on nibbling and I think hitters now are more like we're just going to take our walk and when you fall behind we know you got to come in the zone and all your pitches are around the same you know mile per hour so yeah and there's no that's the other thing too that kind of there's really no downward movement with his changeup right now either. Remember a lot, it used to break out of the zone and fool hitters. And now it looks very straight compared to, you know, the way it used to, used to look, but I don't, I think, and I don't want to play tinfoil hat, but maybe, maybe him like really trying to insert that curveball got him away from what makes him great. You know, and that's the fact of like, Running the two seamer into right-handed hitters, running it, you know, inside on on left-handers. I just want to see Kyle Hendricks get back to Kyle Hendricks and the way he pitched in 2016, 2017, 18, you know, 19 and 20. You know, just be yourself, man. Because at the end of the day, like that's that's what's gonna prolong his career. And mm-hmm. if he's trying to play with, you know, third and fourth pitches that you know aren't gonna be, you know difference makers in an at bat then what are we doing here yeah exactly i mean i i have hope that he'll turn it around here i mean there aren't a whole lot of guys that have given us seven innings this season yet outside of kyle and stroman so like the hope is there that you know it wasn't just a fluke against the pirates because our offense was doing so well they just kind of gave up maybe like you know cuz there's always that too like you don't know the other side of the mentality look when you're facing you're chasing runs like that i mean some some teams have the mentality of let's get one here let's get one there we're going to chip away and then other teams are just like the pirates who have been losing it year after year it's like hey you know we're done like just 
just forget today. Like they're a young team that's like not that good. So how much of that was him being really, really good? And it seemed like he was sharp that day, but how does he tap into that? I agree with you with that curveball thing. Like how does he, has it been messing up his other pitches, even the movement on them, like the touch, the feel for it? That's possible. That's certainly possible. Um, You know, we could talk all day about the negative stuff here and I want to bring up uh, Scott's comment here. Um, Killian needs to be called up for a start this weekend. I don't know. Like, I, I just want him to be ready. I don't know. Like, I actually haven't looked and seen how he's been doing lately. But, and Tyler, our boy Tyler said, What's up, boys? Is it time, Caleb? Killian time. I, I know that's Ron's boy. He's not on here. It's, it's kind of, a, you know, I'm high on Killian too. I know you are, but as well. But, um, I don't know if it's time yet. Like, I, I don't want to rush things. Not saying that it's not time either. Maybe it is. I, I don't know. What do you think, Juice? I He's such a tough prospect for me to say, yeah, he's ready, right? Because it seems like he's had this meteoric rise. And it's been he's, – he's thrown himself in the conversation of the Brendan Davises that are knocking on the door. And, like, while I – I truly do want him to get MLB time this year. And I think he will. I think we, we most certainly will see him at some time this season, make a few starts. I think he may get a run at, you know, five to six, maybe at the end of the year. But I think if you're, if you're looking as a cub fan right now, there's just so many injured arms that are, were projected going into the season to be a part of this rotation that I feel like they're going to ride this same five until Edward Elsley and, you know, Wade Miley are back. And then they're going to reevaluate that and see where they're at. And by then with the way the offense is right now, they may be out of this whole thing. You know, they may be looking at the division as, you know, this is, this is already over. And I, I hate to say that because it's April and baseball can change, but Let's be honest here. If if you were to you know put a gun to our head and ask us where the Cubs are at, the Cubs are realistically at a time where they're in between a core and an old core, right? It's it's a it's a mix up of guys who are trying to you know carve out their place in the MLB, if not here, somewhere else. And I think that if if you're gonna get a look at Caleb Killian. I think the situations need to be right as well. Like the matchup needs to be good for him. Mm -hmm. The, the timing needs to, you can't just go to him at the first time that you're trying to, you know, stay in the hunt for a division. Like I I feel like Caleb Killian is a guy that man, you're like two games back. And the only thing that you're struggling with is starting pitching and you don't want to go buy any because you don't want to give up prospect capital. So He's the closest we've got. Let's see what he does. No pressure, Caleb. Go out there, do what <laughs> you do, and see if he can win a division. But realistically, like the thing is, is the Cubs are just not, they're not there. And I think that like this is kind of showed over the course of like the last couple, you know, you we were talking about before we hopped on. What are they? Three and three and what in their last yeah, three, three and, and thirteen or last twelve or something. Three of their like last that. twelve or yeah, like so bad. You know, like <laughs> if you look at it, they're playing really bad baseball. I'll expand on that a little bit too, Juice. Yeah. They haven't won a series since the the 
opening series. They've yeah. tied them. They have not won a series since the opening series. And technically, they haven't won a series yet either, right? Because that was a four-game set that was canceled. Yeah, right. Yeah, so, <laughs> that could have been. Yeah, that could have been. So realistically, they haven't won a series since last year. So, <laughs> um, yeah. But with that said, I, I just I look at this team and all the guys that you needed to overproduce out the gate here. Most of them aren't right. You look at like Nick Madrigal and. He's been a disaster to start the year. And you look at, you know, Swindell's kind of, he's been hit or miss. He's been okay. You know, but there's a lot of different moving parts on this team that are just not kind of performing at their, like your Kyle Hendricks is your, your um, Justin Steele that you thought would take, you know, a leap. But realistically, like to give Caleb a start in a rebuild year, essentially, like, what they wanted not to, because let's be honest, the Cubs don't want to say it, but that's what this is. You know, this is a play with house money with a team that, you know, we don't know if some of these guys will be even the, be in the league next year, you know, or be everyday players next year. So realistically, I, I would like to see Caleb when there's no expectations, right? Like, I feel like if you bring him up now, it's almost like, hey, fix our problem. You know, and then you're you're putting more pressure on him, plus the major league debut and adjusting to the hitters, and there's ups and downs with that. And mm-hmm. I think too, like there's a there's going to be a lot of expectation the minute he makes his first start. Why add any unwanted stress to the problem? I agree with that. I mean, here's the thing too, like when when you the guys that you mentioned, like Miley. Uh, Wade Miley, Alec Mills, Albert Alzali, like the guys we talked about, when they're ready to come back, like what do you do then? Now it's just a log jam. And if he's pitching like okay, or maybe it's poorly, do you send him back down? Like I don't really want when I call when I call up a guy like Caleb Killian, if it's me or my team, I want him to have a for sure spot if he's pitching well or like pitching okay enough. Or are you just gonna like not activate Miley? Like, you know throw him in the bullpen. He wasn't signed to be a bullpen pitcher. He's signed to be a starter, you know? So it's like, I, I want to be able to know that he's ready and he's going to have a spot on this rotation if he's going to come up. And yeah, like he's not here to fix up any problems. Like I would not call up Killian to, to fix any issues. It's just all about, is he ready? If he's ready, call him up. It Like if you truly believe in his development at this stage is – He's ready to get big league hitters out, which I no one's to say that he can't right now, right? Like he's good enough to where he's gonna get big league hitters out right now. They call him up, he will get big league hitters out. But is he going to pitch? Is he gonna get beat or beat up the second time through the order or something? You know, like is he gonna have those nerves? Of course he's gonna have nerves. That's what happens with every pitcher when they get called up from the minors. Like you see it all the time. Like, look at Logan Gilbert this year. That dude's a freaking stud. And he struggled out of the gates last year. Like, he struggled with control. All coming up through the minors, he didn't have control issues. Caleb Killian, kind of the same situation. Has pretty good control and command. But big leagues are a different animal, man. This is the guy chasing his lifelong dream. So you can you better believe, like, he's going to have some butterflies going out there. Um, but, yeah, man, like, looking at the bullpen, too, because we're talking a lot about the rotation. But I want to dive into this bullpen, too, because – is Keegan Thompson like, is this just his role? Like coming out in this situation, he seems 
so legit, man. He's not the only guy in the bullpen that I want to talk about, but him kind of doing this piggyback role, like he's solid. Like I, I love what Keegan's doing this year. How do you, how do you uh, feel about Keegan? I think he's the toughest one to kind of evaluate because we've watched him go into the starting rotation and be so, so right. And I think there are guys in the league that you put him in a situation like Keegan's in now and with how young he is, I was talking about this with Ron on the last episode, the makeup for him to do that job, I think is more impressive than being a starter because a Keegan has no clue what situation he'll be coming in to the game, what time of the game he'll be coming in. And I think the hardest thing to do as a young pitcher is to control your emotions based on the moment. You know, you, you come in with runners on, or you come in in a clean inning, you know, to have, there are different, there's different situations that are, you know, needing certain emotions and certain, you know, levels of poise, I think is the best way to put it. You know, he comes in with a, an open inning. It's like, Hey man, like I'm going to go three here. I'm going to try to get, you know, maybe three ground ball outs to keep my pitch count down, you know, or, Hey man, I need a double play here. You know, so I got to throw this pitch because there's runners on first and third. And we've seen that from Keegan, like Keegan could come in and clean it up a little bit too. And I think that like, he could crack out everybody if he needs yeah. to look like, like do whatever. And I think that like, there is such a value to that in today's, you know, MLB, especially when it's like the starters. Cause we could see it now, like, and I'm not going to blame. I don't think that you're going to get the level of depth this whole year from the MLB, but it's clear that like starters are just not going as far as they did even 10 years ago. I mean, I remember, you know, even go back to 03, like 120 pitches for Pryor and Wood was like, yeah, he's got another 10 in him. You know, like, can you imagine like getting a little of that today? Like, no, they just, they don't do that anymore. You'd be you lucky know, if you get 90 out of guys now. Yeah. Like, so just to like have a guy like that where you can you can throw in there if you're down seven runs and you have a day-night doubleheader tomorrow, you know, like and say, Hey Keegan, dude, get me to the end. You know, like I need I need you to save my pen. And he'll do that. And then he'll come back the next day and give you one or give you a hitter. You know, I, I think that the level of flexibility that he has, I think is endless. And I also think it's endless value too. I I can, you can almost make the argument that that is the most important, you know, pitcher on the staff right now, because if he's able to do that, then you've equipped yourself with a Josh Hader. And like, Mm -hmm. imagine having that level out of your bullpen with guys that, you know, we talked about it are down in, you know, the, the monitors right now who are going to contribute. You know, you're, you're, you know, Brayden Marquez is, we've talked about him maybe being a closer down the line, considering that he's had some, some issues, you know, staying healthy as a starter, you know, Burrow Caraway who throws like 103, if you can ever figure out how to find the strike zone, you know, there's, there's a lot of guys down there that like project as like the late guys, but there's not a Keegan Thompson, right. That projects like multiple innings. Cause I, I, I don't think Braylon's going to be that guy. If you move him to the closer role, you're going to tell him, Hey man, you're gonna come in. You're gonna throw 102. Like that's you're gonna leave it all out there for one inning. You know, it, there's just and I think it's so hard to find guys who are comfortable 
in that role who also want to contribute that way and not be a starter. Like imagine like how easy it is for Keegan just to think, man, like I do this three times a week and I come in for three innings. I pitch nine innings that no, you know, no run ball, man. I I could be getting $140 million, $200 million, $300 million being a starter. If I just move to the starting rotation, but I think Keegan's kind of identified a market that Josh Hader kind of, and, and, you know, uh, the guy, Andrew Miller kind of, you know, identified even before him that like these three inning guys, fireman role. yeah, these three inning guys that come in and shut it down and you got no chance. Cause you know, when you see him on the mound that you're not scoring and you're down two runs puts a panic. Cause now you're, now you're, now you're in the ninth and you're facing 104. Good luck. Good luck. You know, squaring that up for a lot of these guys. And I think that's a great role for Keegan. And I, I hope that it stays that way. I hope this front office and, and David Ross don't start to get cute and go, eh, I wonder, you know, maybe he just had a bad stretch of, of outings yeah. last year when he got the chance and now they're going to throw him back into the rotation and say, you know, Hey, go at it, man. And then if he struggles, then that confidence is ruined. And I think that's, that's that's, That's just what as I want valuable. To know. That's just as valuable as, as having the arsenal that he has. That's what I wanted to know from you, Juice, because like, and I was kind of hinting towards that. So I'm glad you you kind of answered that before I even asked it. Was like, is somebody going to say, hey, like, let's give him another shot in the bullpen? I, I agree with you. Like, this is a spot where he thrives. It just you can tell, like, he has that kind of bulldog mentality when he gets out there on the mound not afraid of, of coming in there with guys on base and, you know, picking up the traffic uh, and then cleaning it up or just like going and giving you multiple innings. Like a guy like that is so valuable because we've seen him with like one time through the order, one and a half times through the order, like he can do that. And because we have, we lack the starting pitching right now and guys are not going deep. He can clean up a Justin Steele's mess. He can clean up Mark Leiter Jr.'s mess. Like, it is invaluable to a team. And and there's a few other guys too with this bullpen. Like Rowan Wick, he seems like his velocity's back a little bit um from the last couple of years. We've seen him really or even earlier this season. He's been legit. David Robertson, I mentioned him. Like he's lights out, hasn't given up a run yet. You're lucky if you get a hit against him. Like it's just not happening right now. Scott Efros, he's looking dirty still. Um, I know Michael Givens had a rough one in Atlanta. But he's pretty much Overall, for the most he's been part, pretty good. He's been pretty good. Um, you know, so there's some positives down there in the bullpen if you could just kind of get to these guys. Like, yeah, because Keegan Thompson, he can't pitch every day out of the bullpen and give you three innings. It's just you can't do it. You're almost like it's not starters rest, but he needs like it's like halfway starters rest, right? Yeah, like, he needs like an off day. He on. needs something sandwiched, you know, in between there and but yeah, I, I, I almost, and I, I wanted to ask you this question because you're a baseball savant. You watch a lot of different teams around the MLB. You don't just watch the Cubs. I know because you do the bets and you do, you're able to talk about any player in the league with me when we go out to the bar. Do you feel like teams should build their bullpens with more guys like this? Yes. And almost have like a, an idea. Like, think about like if you had three Keegan Thompsons that could go three innings and we're okay doing it. Like, do you feel like down the line, like that's something that teams 
maybe use more investment on and then kind of move from paying big time closers to maybe paying three inning guys out of the bullpen that do it, you know, like I said, maybe two, three times a week. They come in and they clean up three and they get paid prime bucks. I'm just, I'm curious, like, do you think that that's like we're ahead of that game by having a guy like Keegan in our bullpen? Because eventually I think these guys are going to be way more valuable than I think the closers will. I think we're heading that way. Like, I'm going to be honest with you. I think we're heading that direction. I mean, you look at guys like even on, for Pittsburgh, look what Will Crow did to us out of the bullpen the other day, right? Like, like there's guys like that all around the league that we're seeing now. I mean, you got these openers, like Tampa Bay started it with the openers. Basically kind of – they kind of set the tone for that because then you have like these long relievers, but they're starters, and then you have like longer relievers after them. It was like guys that can't really go the full distance – and then with the analytics being involved in such a huge part of baseball now, not that it hasn't been over the last few years, but even more so, like every year it's getting, it's increasing. We're, we're noticing the trends that happen and when pitchers get really beat up. Like if, of course, the third time through the order, but even after the first time through the order, like you, you flash from that one time through, guy sees him once, next time he's going to have a better at bat again. It's, it's just – that those are basically just the numbers for the most part. And that's why you see even betters, like you mentioned the gambling side of thing, a lot of people like those nerfy bets, those no-run first innings. It's because the hitters haven't seen the pitcher yet, right? But the issue with that is, now we're talking something completely different, but the issue with that is you're you're facing your best hitters in the first, like the, right. the lineups are the lineups for a reason, right? It's one through four, like they stack them up that way to kind of – get your best hitters the most at bat. So I actually have an issue with the nerfy bets, but I see why people do it. That's just kind of what my point was. But um, I, I do think like back to your original thing about like the value of these guys, I think there will be some more money tossed at these kind of long reliever types, these specialists, these fireman type of pitchers that you're not seeing these guys come in as just like Carlos Villanueva types or whatever that are coming in. Like when the game's out of hand, you're seeing them come in in high leverage situations and you're seeing them kind of clean up the deal and then put zeros on the board and keep their team in the game. And guys like Keegan Thompson, guys like Will Crow so far this season, other guys that, you know, I can't think of off the top of my head, but I, I certainly, if I'm looking at who it is on the team, I can tell you who they are, but uh, it's, it's really, it's, it's a big thing. It's a big deal. And I think we are heading that direction in baseball and, I would love to see Keegan stick in this role for a long time. He's under team control. It's not like you have to worry about paying him now. I mean, unfortunately for him, like he might not make as big of money, but like you said, if this kind of trends this way all around baseball, second contract for Keegan Thompson, paying him what? 10 mil a year. Like that's not out. That's not insane. If we're talking about it, once he gets like towards the end of his deal, um, or maybe you trade him. Like, you know, we, we don't know what the Cubs are going to be like uh, when it comes that time, or if he's even going to be like this solid. We're, we're like projecting way in the future here, but I do love it, man. Like, I, I like the way that this is kind of trending. I do miss the days of like, of like seven inning shutout ball, like complete game shutouts. Like, you, you hear that all the time. Like, I hear Pat and Ron talk about it even during the Cubs broadcast. Like, you just don't see that anymore. And it's kind of sad. Like, I, I used to like the the pitchers duels. Maybe I was a weirdo that, you know, liked the the pitchers going eight nine innings and stuff like that. But 
Um, it just has taken a little bit away from the game, but at the same time, you're getting the best baseball for the entirety of the game because guys are on point all game. So that's what's cool about it. Yeah, I'm curious to see too. Like, I, I thought, I think there's only like one, I can only think of one complete game from a starting pitcher that has happened this year. That was that Logan Webb, or I could be wrong. Dodgers. Bueller? Did Bueller go nine? Recently? Oh, Bueller. Yeah, it was a D-backs game, I think, right? And that's that's the D-backs. only one off the top of my head that I can think of. I can't – and I'm sure there are more that I just miss. Mm-hmm. But you're right. Like, the level of – and that's why I think, like, eventually these three-inning guys mean so much more. And maybe oh, Webb went – sorry, Webb went eight innings. I thought he went a complete – go ahead. And it was one run allowed. <laughs> go ahead. But, but, yeah, just to think, like – I think eventually the money gets moved. I really do. I think it gets moved from the closer position too. Cause I think that with all these, with all these pitching prospects and, and teams seem to be loading up on just guys who throw hard, how easy is it to just move that guy to the ninth? It, no matter what, if you throw, if you throw in the hundreds, 101, 102, you're going to be tough to hit no matter if how good your secondary pitch is. Right. It, it, that's yeah. just the, so, and I Juice, think a lot to of teams. Point, to your point, not, not to cut you off, but no, you're good. There are a lot of teams now, like their best reliever is not even really the closer. Like they're the closer by default, but then they're coming in in these high leverage spots and then they're doing like closer by committee. Like David Bednar, to me, is the best, clo- uh, best closing option for the Pirates. Like just staying with that kind of same team. Sure. But you see him coming in the seventh, eighth inning, and then Chris Stratton or whatever is coming in the cl- like it's just because when they need him, bang, he's in there in the seventh and eighth, and you're seeing that because he has more of a repertoire, you know? Yeah, and I think too, like we've for the longest time we've prioritized the last three outs of a game as so difficult to get, right? But now as we mm-hmm. like start to see the way the game is played, it's almost like if you have a three inning guy that you feel comfortable in, those three outs don't mean as much as maybe these nine do. And that that's maybe worth paying more because you're getting through three innings and you could figure it out later on nine times out of 10 too. how many times have we watched a game and it ends up, it's the seven, eight, nine hitters, you know, up at the end, like you're, you're not always getting, you know, the heart of the order to end a game. If that were the case, closers would be who I pay the most to, but that's not how baseball works. hundred percent. And that's why I truly hope that Keegan stays in this role. Don't get cute with it. I think that's the, that's the one thing, like if I'm pleading to the Cubs, please, dear God, I know your starting pitching has been just atrocious, but understand that, you know, like the bears draft, you needed to fill some, some holes and, and, and people may be unhappy about that, but at the end of the day, you've solved a positional need and that's, you don't have a three inning guy out there that you can project for the future. Now you can make the argument that they may have two on this, depending how the next couple months go. And Justin Steele was also really, really good in that role last year. Yeah. But I hope for his sake with, his arm and the the power stuff he has from the left side that he pans out as a starter. Cause I think that that's more of a difficult, you know, body type to find a hard throwing lefty who 
projects as a high end rotation guy. I think that that's more difficult, but who knows? There is Jordan Wicks, you know, in the, you know, down in, in, in the minor leagues, who's lurking too. You know, he's, he's another guy that I think is going to go through the system a lot quicker. So maybe by our point, we were talking about maybe having three of these guys, maybe by the end of it, Justin Steele is projecting to be the lefty that can do that from that side. And wouldn't it be crazy to have, wouldn't it be crazy though to go almost almost every other night of Keegan Steele, Keegan Steele, like those type of multi-inning relievers? Like you're not gonna need it every night because hopefully if these guys pan out as starters like Jordan Wicks, Caleb Killian, you know, maybe you still have Stroman on the, the rotation at that point when they come up when they're all here, uh, you know, whatever the case is. Wouldn't it be crazy though? Because you want them to go like multiple innings if the starters are panning out or sure. whatever to hit six innings, seven innings. Wouldn't it be crazy to have that opportunity to have a righty lefty mix like that, depending on what the starting lineup was on the other side? Like you're talking about. I, I, I'm with you though. I want well, I want Steele to, to build on that. Starter. To build on that, imagine the flexibility in the roster. If you know you have two guys who can go three, you're not having to carry as many bullpen guys. If that's yep. the case, you know, a lot of these guys are carrying, you know, to the brim bullpens and sacrificing, you know, a guy off the bench and that, that comes back to bite you. Maybe you carry another catcher. You know, the Cubs are talking about, you know, the Cubs, if we're talking well, about minor league too, with Alfonso Rivas, like uh, people are talking about him getting DFA'd when all this with the roster, like shakedown, which we're going to touch on in a second too, with Ethan Roberts situation and, you know, lock St. John being, uh, demoted, I believe it was, but, mm-hmm. and then, uh, Ethan Roberts to the IL, I guess I'm just going to mention it now. Inflammation, uh, they're, they're saying it doesn't sound like it's too serious, but you never know. Um, but that was another guy, like he's got options. Let's put him down to the minor leagues, which none of us want to see. Cause he's one of the only guys hitting right now. And like, we want to see that guy, but to your point though, that's a roster spot right there. Like you could go, they're going full to the brim. All these these teams are going 14 pitchers basically, even with the roster cut downs or whatever. I think it's a 14 pitcher limit, I believe, right now, uh, that you're allowed to have. That's one less. Okay, let's go 13 again. Like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, that's that's so valuable, so valuable to have that extra bench bat to pinch hit, get the right matchup late in the game, defensive replacement, get your better glove in the game late in the game. I'm with you, Juice. That's great. That's a great point. Yeah, I think like as as we talked about it too, you know, having two of those guys in there, I, I think is is also a matchup problem and a lot of times too. Think if think if they had a lefty Keegan Thompson out there and you had a righty, you know, right-handed starter, and now a lot of lineups try to get stacked, you know, with all you know. Um, left-handed pitching or left-handed hitting. And now you're coming out with a whole, a whole full left-handed lineup after, you know, you got the right-hander out of the game and now it's lefty on lefty and you have to adjust to what's out there. You know, that's, yeah. and, and I always say every sport, if you're the one adjusting, you've already lost, right? If t- think about basketball, think about football. If you're the team that has to do this, this, and this to beat them, You've already lost because the, the team that already the team that's doing that better already is making you play their game. So when you look at baseball in a lot of ways, 
that's it's it's whoever can beat them to the punch and make you play their game. And I feel like that's if the Cubs could have that in their bullpen, man, that's one hell of a of a weapon. Yeah, I mean, you're forcing teams to basically counter the counteract. Yeah, like and, and like the 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 pre counteract because like yeah. they're counteracting your lineup by you know bringing like what you said, switching it up and just dumping three innings on you with a righty that maybe you had all righties in your lineup for the lefty. It, it's it's really remarkable. Like it's crazy the possibilities of what you could do. And like with that said though, Juice, I want to like kind of transition this a little bit to the hitting side of things because we haven't really sure. talked about that too much. Um, I Scott brought up. He, he was asking about. I'll pull up his comment here. He was asking if you're back on the wisdom train. Uh, and I think you know it's it's a good good question. Like he's. I I wrote down his stats here, Juice, and I want to hear your thoughts. Like since if you take away his first six games and and sorry by the way scott said is juice back on the wisdom train with him leading or tied for the lead in home runs in runs and doubles and one back of say for rbis i i assume he's talking about the team lead or whatever but um with patty wise take away his first six games played wisdom is slashing 327 400 714 1.114 ops four bombs 11 ribbies like all basically all of his production take away the first six games of the season. Like he's one of the guys that's been actually hitting. Yeah. I think uh, it almost kind of makes my point too, of like if Patrick wisdom is your best hitter, your offense (laughs) is probably in trouble, right? If he's the only guy out there who's, who's putting up, you know, good numbers, that's not good for business. You know, we're, we're looking at this team and, like I said in the beginning of the show, they got to pick a lane. They got to either pitch really well or start to score. And I think the the I'm looking dead at Nick Madrigal. Like like <laughs> Nicky singles or, or <laughs> like he's he's got to like hit your singles, dude. Because let's be honest, yeah. here. like he we we knew what we got in that trade, right? Realistically, it's a hurt player who you know, is going to slap it around and, and maybe be fun. Right. Maybe, but we watched him on the South side and there's a limited amount of, of potential and, and kind of attributes that he has. And he, he's one of the guys that needed to overperform if the Cubs were really going to look at contending in the division. And he's just been God awful. I mean, there's it's to the point where there's there's guys that I would rather see, you know, at the plate because they have more power. If he's going to hit 200 or below 200 last time I looked and just hit singles, you're better off having a guy who hits 200 or 190 like an Adam Dunn who at least runs into one every, you yeah. know, you know, 10 at bats. And, and that's the problem with this kid. Like he has to have everything go right to be, you know, that impact player. And I think that in a lot of ways, I think we're going to see it. He'll have a stretch where he plays well, but those stretches are never longer than his failures, in my opinion. Like he just doesn't have the range. (laughs) And I feel like they're so stacked at second base to think that he is like – some type of a future on this team, I think is just kind of maddening at this point because you have guys like Triantos, 
you have guys like Ed Howard. I I don't see I think his time runs up before you know he even gets a shot to be honest. I I truly do. I think that there's just not going to be a spot for him that's not just like maybe an extra bench player, you know, or and that's maybe that's what he is. But I mean he gave It's hard to be a bench player though when you're like his like main attribute isn't even his glove, you know. Like it's right. his contact. You know, that's the yeah. hard. He hasn't been. He hasn't been terrible at second base. Like no. I'll give him that. He hasn't been. You know, he hasn't been. As bad been other as advertised. As bad yeah. as advertised. Remember, I mean, we were talking about him. You know, with some of our buddies over on the south side. I'm sure they're like, oh yeah, good luck with that. That he's terrible <laughs> defensively. He and hasn't been that bad. Yeah. Can't run the bases. No, he hasn't been that bad. But the hitting. the hitting is a problem, and he has limited power, and I think that his body type is going to limit him from ever obtaining any more. You know, he doesn't look like the guy that could add, you know, huge amounts of weight either. You know what I'm saying? Like, he would, he'd, he'd be just a shell of what he likes to do at that point. And, yeah, baseball's going that way. Where it's like hit the ball, put it in, put it in contact, and I think the you know put it in play. But I think the uh, he may be one of those guys that kind of fail on that same kind of cub movement towards you know putting the ball in play and, and contact is great, but you still got to slug, you got to hit for doubles and triples, and like we can't just have him ducking singles out there. Although at this point. Like I take a couple, I take some duck singles, but he's just with what you see in like the minor leagues. I just I don't see it. And Rivas, like he's got to get playing time, man. Like the kid's got to play. And I'm I'm tired of coming on this show over and over and over again and being like, find him a spot. No, dude, he's got to play every day, every day. He's He's twenty five years old. He's twenty five years old. Figure out what you got. What is the point of this year? If you don't figure out what he is, you failed. If David Ross doesn't get to the end of the year and you don't know if Alfonso Rivas is an everyday player or just some guy that you trade for, you know, left-handed, you know, Sean Newcomb at that point, you know, like type of guy, like you need to figure that out. And if he doesn't figure that out, God damn, like that's such a failure. Like there are three, there are a, a limited amount of guys that need to play every day to see what they are this year. He's one of them. And I've been super upset with the way that his whole, you know, stint has been handled. I, he needs to play every day. He shouldn't have been sent down to start the season. No, I've said this from the, I said this from the beginning in my roster prediction, the article I wrote, I had Rivas, on the team because there's no way there's no way you send the guy down he hit over 300 and what was it 18 games last season the small sample size this season in half the games he has better production juice 429 520 1.139 ops one bomb six rbis even better production in half the amount of small sample i get it but like the counting stats are there too that are better Like, this guy needs to – all he does is hit. This guy needs to be in the lineup, find a spot for him. I don't care if it's – like, if he's in the lineup, he has a better glove than Schwindel. You want Schwindel in the lineup, DH him. Mm -hmm. If if 
you want he could play outfield too like he's played outfield he could play some put him i don't know where you put him like left field it probably, probably the left. best option it probably left field because you can't can't mess with say um but i think the best option is probably first base and then dh window and that's another thing though like is it too early to pull the plug on Frank the Tank here? Like, I was real high on him coming into the season, just given his track record uh, through the minors. I thought he just never really got a shot up until last year when he had outproduced a lot of minor league players and just wasn't a highly touted prospect. But that you look at, like, his barrel percentage, his underlying stuff, it, along with his, like, actual numbers and production – his metrics are down in the gutter, like almost non-existent for the advanced stats. And I'm not saying that's everything, but when we're talking about guys like Madrigal, who was just beating it into the ground and like, you know, just can't figure it out hitting wise right now, Schwindel on most days, he's kind of looking the same way, except he will run into one every once in a while. And then you're like, Oh, there's Frank the tank again. Uh, I don't want to give up on him yet, but like, at what point do you give up on the tank? Yeah, I think that's coming. I mean, really, as I said, if you get to the end of the year and you don't know what you have with players who are 28 and under, well, you failed, right? I mean, that's that's the case of it. And you know what I feel? I feel like there's one, there's two people, there's two players who are standing in between Rivas playing every day. And it's Frank the Tank who, hey, Thanks for last year, man. That was fun. You kept my head sane, you know, after the sell-off. I was shotgunning beers in my backyard, man. I was having a hell right. of a time. He was fun. And, hey, we'll we'll go back and we'll talk about Frank the Tank in the same breast as we talked about Jake Fox, right? How fun was Jake Fox for, like, 30 games? You Michael know, like that's, power, you know? Yeah. Like, we'll, we'll talk about him in the same – he'll be the, hey, remember this Cub when you're standing around – you know, Murphy's like we were for opening day, naming Cub players that were on the roster we were laughing about. But, dude, I feel like he's standing in the way, and in a lot of ways it's Jason Hayward because Ian Happ can play center and Rivas can play left. So if this is a – It's hard hard with Hayward because – all the guys that have not been producing Hayward's actually not been terrible this year. So it's like, I I get what you're saying. He's not the guy I want to see out there. I want to see what we have from these guys, but Hayward is like, not saying he's been great either. He's actually been doing something. And like, that's, what's like, okay, do we just, so let's just DFA him because we want to see other guys. Ideally, maybe, but like, I, I don't know, man. Like, how I, do you do that? You know, like, I think being this leader, I think that conversation is a very awkward one. I'm sure considering that his own manager, you know, won a world series with him and mm-hmm. was probably standing next to him when he gave that speech. And I love Jason Hayward. I think he gets a bad rap as a cup. He's done a lot for the city and yeah, he's never going to live up to 190, whatever he got. Never. And that's that's okay. You won a World Series. That money is spent and gone. It's fine. But on the flip side of it, it's a reevaluation year. Figure out a way to either, if you want to keep him in the lineup and you want to play out his contract and keep that that value up and maybe try to move him, because I think that that's what's going to try to that's what's going to happen. 
they're going to try to, they're going to pray to God that he hits this way or plays this way for the rest of, you know, this month and, and next month. And then maybe they can find a suitor who needs a fourth outfielder or somebody yeah. who wants to plug and play him at a difficult right field. But I'm okay with eating the contract too. Like, to yeah. And I think somewhere. that's going to have to happen, right? You're going to probably have to, you probably have to add a prospect with it too, to, to just get them out that you don't believe in probably a lower one that maybe is, is a long shot, but no, just to kind of, to round that whole thing out, man, like you, you got to try to figure out ways to, and I, there's only so many spots in the lineup, but there's two guys that need to play every day. Three guys, well, three guys that need to play every day, in my opinion, and it's Ian Happ. It's, um, Alfonso Rivas and it's say Suzuki. Everybody else, maybe, maybe you had Nico Horner in that as well. Cause you're kind Nico of, too, you know, say, yeah. you're trying to bank it, but everything else is wide open to, to interpretation. You know, if you think that you can fit in a guy here or here, especially with the DH now, there should be no problem that Ross isn't able to find, you know, spot for Rivas. I think Rivas is the first one that you need to solve getting into the lineup though. Like that's, that's the, Figure it out. Make them DH. You know, maybe you, maybe you DH, maybe you DH Hap a couple times more, and play him out and left. You know, I know, I know Ian Hap plays second base for a while. Maybe, maybe you're putting Ian Hap at second base a little bit to see if you could still do that. He could still do that again. Try it. You got Why nothing not? to lose. I mean, like you here's don't. the thing. You're... Here's the thing with Madrigal, right? I want to see him play more just to see like if he can get back to even hitting above 300, like get back to that near 300 level because that's what was advertised, right? He has this contact hitter, but he's been a line drive hitter, not like just somebody who hits it into the ground and like, you know, hits it into the air. Maybe he just needs some time to find his footing. I want to see like, I, for me, I want. I think he's an everyday guy right now. For the, at this time being, just because I want him to fail out of that. Like if he's not going to be that guy, That's let him fair. fail because you gave up. You know what you got in return. Cody Hoyer's on on the shelf right now. You know he got the he had the Tommy John. He's on the shelf, so we can't even see what he what he could have done this season. So the one guy that you can see what could have what they can do this year out of that whole deal with Kimbrel, which. I still think the Cubs won the trade no matter what, but I still would like to see like, can he be that guy? Because like right now, Horner is proving that he can be that quality player at, you know, it's a different position playing shortstop, not second. But like I was looking at his numbers, 279 hasn't committed an error at shortstop tied for eighth and outs above average. I mean, his barrel rates up from last year. He's not taking walks still, but he's still not striking out much. Uh, kind of the same sort sort of thing with Madrigal. He's not striking out. He's striking out a little bit more though than like what he showed with the Southsiders. But I don't know, man. I just want to see like prove to me that you can or that you can't because he's one of the guys that yeah you don't have to invest in him later like past this season or past next season. But because like you said, the prospects pool that we have uh, in the minor league system that the Cubs have is flooded with infielders. So I'm not even worried and if he doesn't pan out. It's just more of like, like you said, what are our expectations for the rest of the season? And for me, like 
they're kind of living up to them, but like maybe, you know, they'll, they'll win some more games. I'm not like what's amazing in this whole thing. We brought up Ian Happ, a guy that definitely needs to be in the lineup every day. Like you said, I mean, outside of Seiya Suzuki, he's been the best hitter on the team, like over 300, 151 WRC plus against lefties juice 364. Yeah. Who is this guy? Like, mm-hmm. What, what what did he do with the Z MVP app again? Like, this is crazy. And congrats to him, too. I saw on social media he got uh, engaged today. Oh, congrats. Uh, on, his, on his off day. Yeah, good for him. Uh, yeah, he's been incredible. And I think if you're going to if you're gonna stake time to watch the Chicago Cubs, and by staking time I mean watching the, the major league team, not the minors that are – Seem to be more exciting at times this year. Ian Happ is like must-see TV. I mean, he's been incredible. I mean, he's on pace to he, – he, he may be an all-star this year. You know, that's <laughs> – the Cubs may be looking at him and that may be their only all-star because what we've seen out of Seiya Suzuki for the last, you know, 13 at-bats hasn't been – I think Ooh. that we're – yeah, we're, we're kind of due to – he's due for an adjustment, and I think that he's going to struggle a little bit for this next couple – couple series but i think he'll turn it around i think once he you know figures out what they're doing he's he's a smart hitter it's here nor there but yeah i think if, if you're watching cubs television and watching cubs games ian happ is somebody you gotta sit down for every at bat i think that's it's so refreshing too to see him have the success that he's having because i think that he solves a major a, a major point for them the, the fact that he can play so many positions in the outfield, I think is a value to them. And the fact that he does switch hit. I mean, there's so few yeah. guys that are switch hitting in, in today's MLB, you know, to have the level of production he's having from the right side is something that I don't think enough people are talking about. I don't know what he did. And I don't wish that we had access to figure out like what he did over the winter to, to make himself better, but it's clear that his right-handed swing is nothing like it was for the last three years. So, I mean, realistically looking at it, man, it's like, I want to figure out what he did. Cause I think that he's put in the work and he solves a big problem for them. It's been fantastic. And I, I agree with you, man. I think that, that Ian Happ is, he's been the saving grace to the team in the first month here. Imagine where they're at without him hitting. They're, oh. <laughs> they're in the cellar. Right, with without him and Seiya Suzuki, you know Patrick Wisdom for this stretch. I'll even I'll throw it on there because I know our boy Scott's probably like, man, Juice got to admit that uh, yeah, he's been doing something. He's having it. Yes, and, and I'll get excited uh, for when he's he's playing somewhere else. But uh, that's <laughs> here nor there. But um, just to just to kind of round it out, without those guys, man, the offense is just gonna. It's awful. It's awful now with a minute. So. Yeah. They got to figure something out. I think they will. And but Ian Happ has just been a godsend to them. He definitely worked on that right-handed swing. Like like you said, he he put in some work and he took some like he must have taken a lot of hacks in the offseason. Because I was one of the guys, Juice. I was one of the guys that was saying, "Look, just stop. Just I remember keep it that. up." We sat on just, the same show. Like, stop. I, I, Be left-handed. Yeah. I was saying that like before. He went on that hot streak, and after he went on that hot streak, because most of the production still came from the left side uh, last season, from what I remember, like during that hot stretch of like ending the season out really well. And 
like I was like comparing him to Cedric Mullins. Like, hey, he stopped switch hitting. I was like, it's possible that you don't need to switch hit. Like, just like go ahead and hit lefty if you have to hit if you have to sit down sometimes when there's a good lefty on the mound. Just sit down. Like, take your day off. You know what I mean? But hey, if he's <laughs> he's an everyday player when he's like this, an everyday player, and he's one of the best players in baseball, living up to his like draft stock really like his prospect pedigree if he's if he's going to do this he's going to live up to it and he's not a guy that you can get rid of at this point um with that said though juice we have talked a lot about uh the hitting we've talked a lot about the pitching we've talked a lot about everything really um we got to kind of look ahead here sure um and unless you have any like final like not final thoughts but like any like wrap-up thoughts i guess on like what's taking place what the like for this team like what do you what do you want to see, I guess? I guess the only thing that I want to see is better baseball played. You know, these throw <laughs> these last two series you know, in the trash. And and you know, let's go win a series. That's the thing, too, man. Like you gotta we're gonna look ahead and the White Sox are struggling too. It's like go win a win a series against a struggling team. You know, and yeah. that's but yeah, just play better. <laughs> you know what I pitch better, hit better. Because the way that they're playing right now is it's uninspiring. Swing the stick, hit the ball. Like it's not hard. Simple as that. Throw the ball, hit the Stacey hit King. the mitt. Stacy King, simple game. Simple, <laughs> yeah, simple game. Simple game. Uh, so, like you said, you got the socks on tap, and the socks on tap guys, I'm sure, have been talking about it. Uh, I know they went live earlier after a winner today um, with Dylan Cease pitching a gem. Which, yeah, that one still stings a little bit that he's not on the north side. But, um, you know, there's another guy that can't seem to stay healthy that was involved in that deal in Eloy Jimenez. So um, not saying it's a win for us. It was definitely a lost trade. But uh, Dylan Cease is looking like a Cy Young contender. I'm glad we don't have to face him in this series, this Crosstown Classic that starts tomorrow at Wrigley Field. Um, as good as the Sox lineup was supposed to be coming in this series, I mean, we're still going to see two stud pitchers in this series. Kopech game one, game two we got Giolito. I mean – both guys, I mean, I know Giolito was dealing with an injury earlier this year. Kopech, he looks like he's coming into his prospect form, and his he's healthy, obviously, and he's he looks legit. Um, as good as the White Sox lineup was supposed to be coming into the season, like coming into Monday, they had an, an 85 WRC+, plus, fifth worst in the majors coming into Monday dead last in walk rate tied for dead last with the reds and on base percentage like this lineup uh, for, forget all the the pitching concerns that everyone has with like Lance Lynn being hurt and all that like the lineup itself has gotten off to a, a slow start and they've also had I mean they won obviously today as we're recording this on Monday against the Angels but um they got the same record as the Cubs, and they're third place in the AL Central. So, like, it's surprising, Juice. Like, what do you make of this upcoming series? And uh, I don't know. What do you make of the Sox team that we're going to face? Well, let me preface it with saying that I, I absolutely hate interleague play. We talked about this a little bit, you know, on our pre-show. It, I'm just something that I've never been a fan of. And I think that it's something that needs to be brought out as a gimmick every other year or every three years because I, I don't think that these games carry any weight. I just, I, just, I don't. I, I've always been a you know component of like I, I don't hate the White Sox as, as, a, as a fan. 
I, I actually enjoy watching good baseball. And I'm really sad that like they're not playing well because there was a hope that I would watch a lot of Cubs growth and then watch some decent baseball on the South side. And to just have this, you know, product for both sides, you know, over the course of, you know, this first month, it's just been kind of like baseball in Chicago has been kind of snake bitten, right? Just kind of like the weather, real cold, real, you know, uninspiring. But just to, you know, talk about the series, I think I think this comes down to like the Cubs pitching, getting Sox hitters out out of the zone. You talked about how they don't walk. They have one of the lowest or the highest swing rates too in the MLB. Like they swing at everything and they don't take their walks. And so maybe this is an opportunity for, you know, guys in that starting rotation to go deeper in a ball game because maybe you throw that pitcher's pitch up there, right? And and get a ground ball and you got a guy within a pitch or two out. You know, maybe you're able to go a little deeper into the game. I just, they're a shell of what they have kind of planned to be. You know, with Mankata being out and Eloy obviously, you know, on the on the shelf and them get them kind of filling in, you know, with guys like Harrison who were hurt for a long time. And realistically, if you watch them, you know, they've been kind of carried by guys like Andrew Vaughn and Jake Berger. You know, maybe not the guys that were, you know, the the mainstays of this lineup, but maybe we're just like the I like to call like the sprinkles on top of the Sunday. You know, you had the base of it, you had the ice cream, and you had, you know, the, the whipped cream and, and nuts that, you know, kind of formed. And that was Eloy and, and Abreu and, you know, the middle of their lineup. But, like, guys like Andrew Vaughn and Berger have kind of, you know, replaced, you know, the, the main ingredients and filled in great. You know, so I think that, like, they're a team that is just begging to play. And this is what I worry about for this series. This means so much more to like that fan base, I feel like than it does to us. So I, I feel like when the Sox go out and play and even the players, I think they feel it a little bit, you know, that little brother mentality that they, the South side kind of has. So when I, when I watch like them play the Cubs, I feel like they bring way more intensity to this series than the Cubs ever do. And that's not like the Cubs should bring that intensity. I hope that they do. You know, play the underdog in this series because they're a World Series aspiration team and we are not. Like, that's just the fact of of where these two teams are at. So come with the same energy. But I feel like this series is just, it's like the White Sox are probably so happy to have this series right now. Right? You get no, you get no Otani today. You win a ball game and then you go in and you get to play you know, your, your crosstown rival in parentheses for me. But I think that this is one of those, like, and I know they joke about it on the South side, the Sox on tap guys, like set the tone. Like this is like their perfect set the tone series. I feel like, like they could totally come out and score like 12, 13 runs each game pitch well, and then get themselves back to normal. I hope that doesn't happen. I'd like to see the Cubs win a series, no matter who it's against. But with that said, I, I just feel like this series set up so nicely for them as much as we hate it during the week. And it's going to be like, you know, get home television and watch it. And we'll be, you know, tired from a work day or tired from all the all the other bullshit throughout the day. It, it'll still be appointment television because it it is in some ways fun. 
to sit and watch the the fan interactions back and forth on Twitter and watch people lose their minds over a game they can't control. It is fun to watch the the back and forth. But I just like watching Cubs baseball. So, I mean, I'll be wa- I watch no matter if they're playing the Seattle Mariners. But with that said, you know, it's I think it's a series that is just primed for them to kind of break out and take control. And I fear that the Cubs may be in for another bad three games here where we're taking L's here in the series and probably, you know, from our friends in the group chats and on social media platforms. <laughs> so you're counting that as three because we're only ta- we're only playing them two games, Juice. So you're oh, counting three. My, my mistake on that. See, that, and that's another stupid thing. Why is there a two games set in the middle of the week? Yeah, just dumb. And then we got to play the Dodgers after that. So it's like we got to. Oh, couple, there you go. So there's my here. third loss. I was already kind of. Yeah, that's what I was wondering too. Maybe you're counting that. Uh, and they love left-handed pitching, man. We're gonna send Drew Smiley to the bump. First game off the series. Uh, they like left-handed pitching. Like that's their get-right spot. That's their set the tone uh, against left-handed pitching and. Uh, I, I agree with you, man. Like now that Tony Larusa is figuring out, it seems like you need to play Andrew Vaughn just about every day and not bat Louis Garcia in the three hole. Uh, like the old man yells at Cloud when fans get mad at him about the lineup or what. I don't even know if he actually got mad about fans getting mad about it, but I'm just saying, like Hall of Fame managers make mistakes. Uh, he was a Cardinals manager. He's such a turd. I absolutely hate. Tony Larusa yeah. more than I. <laughs> I hate him more than the White Sox. I hate Tony Larusa more than the White Sox. I don't care. I'm not. I'm the same way that you are. When it comes to the White Sox, I don't look at this like a rivalry until like we play each other. Then like I guess yeah, you bring that friendly rivalry in, right? Like I'm excited about this series just for that reason alone. Your friends talking to each other, talking shit to each other. They're not rivals to us. Like I don't, I don't, I want to be, I want to kick the Cardinals' ass every time. I want them to lose every single game. I don't care if the White Sox win or lose. I want them to win most nights because I'm probably betting on them. Uh, <laughs> like, if we're just being honest, like I look at this right. lineup, I'm like, this team's better. Like, you give me good odds, I'm gonna bet on them. But uh, I don't know, man. It's just this, this. It's not a real rivalry. I, I do disagree with you a little bit about the interleague play, though, because I. I, I'm kind of a fan of it, you know. Like I, I like facing different teams and different lineups, and you know maybe that's more like the the casual coming out in me, I guess. Like for a little bit, like the homer. Like I like seeing Mike Trout against the Cubs at Wrigley. I like you know stuff like that. I, I kind of I find cool, but it is a little bit like this stuff is just weird. The two game series, and then you got two over there. Like there's some real wonkiness to it that makes it just why not just do the three and three or just do three game series at Wrigley and then next year three at the, whatever they call Sox park now, like the G spot, the whatever (laughs) guaranteed low rate field. Like, uh, I don't know, man. It's just, it's very weird. I I hope we're not going to face just two L's straight to the dome. Like little Wayne, Uh, (laughs) but I think we might too. With that said, man. Uh, oh, and by the way, just to, just to throw like a quick little jab right here, guess who's leading the majors in airs? Uh, well, the I mean, when you have four in a game, because I didn't Tim Anderson have four in Cleveland. Did he? Yeah, in an inning. I don't know how many he had in a game. Well, it was I know he had a lot though in that one game. Maybe three. Oh no, the Sox had four in the inning. I know he had three in that game though, at least. But yeah, I think it's Tim Anderson, right? 
Yeah, he's leading the. Yeah. yeah. And the Sox are tied, I believe. Well, this is like coming into Monday, anyways. I don't know what's changed now, but the Sox were tied for uh, the MLB lead with 21 airs. So, and 8% I, obviously, yeah, leading. The I keep majors. saying, man, like, there's two th- this is twofold for the Sox listeners, if they're listening to this at all. Um, when they hired Tony LaRussa, it was like putting hot jardinier on a Sunday. Like it was they had all the fun. It doesn't right? sound good. Like like I loved I loved Tim Anderson. I thought he was fun, the change of the game attitude. Like that whole team had like the you know that south side grit to it as well. Like, you know, Kopech had that like coming out of the bullpen, you know glare on his face i'm throwing 100 and you're not hit you're not touching it and then they brought like in this old like hag of a guy of a manager who like is just so past any of his hall of fame aspirations like yeah he's a hall of famer but that's not that's not tony Russa hall of fame manager anymore like that's like old senile you know tired of taking questions I don't know why they gave him the job like that's yeah. th- and and they do things so weird over there. Like to me, it made so much sense for them to go and get like it's Reinsdorf to get an analytical manager though. Like <laughs> it, it just, it didn't make sense. Like the, the manager for Detroit, who, what's his name? I'm blanking on. Oh, he managed that. Yeah. Like he was available at that time. Like, why was yeah, that not the buddy, move? Yeah, I know. There was a few of my buddies that really, really wanted Hinch. And, and you're right. Like, LaRusse is not that analytical guy. Like, I mean, when, hey, when you can give Louis Garcia uh, as many bats, bat, bats as he possibly can, you just can't not do it. You have to do it. Like, I don't know, man. I, it's not my team. I don't really and care. And I don't know. Like, I, I think that they've played their worst baseball of the year. I really do. I think they're going to turn around, too. I really do. I, 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 I think that. I think that they're going to play really well in May and when they're going to get healthy in June. And then when they get healthy in June, there won't be one team in that division that stops them from winning that division. And as we talked about it on this, you don't got to win 120 games to to win a World Series. That's not like a – that you don't need – that's not like a requirement to, to right. win <laughs> – the World Series, in. you have to win 120. Like you, you just get in, you know. So, yeah, I I truly think uh, they played their worst baseball of the year so far. And I know our our Sox friends are probably hitting the panic button, but they should. They really shouldn't. It's a flawed team. I don't think that they're the best in the AL or in Major League Baseball in general. But um, they're a damn good team that could beat any team in the in the league. They are. They're they're maybe mm. not the best, but. They got some pieces on there when they get healthy. You know, it's a tough lineup to face. It really is when they're all there. No question about it, man. This team's gonna be this this team is gonna be fine. I, I truly believe they're probably gonna make the playoffs too. Um if not, they're gonna be right in the runnings there with the twins, because I think the twins are a little bit better than people projected, even after the Korea move, because the pitching looks better than maybe people thought. But I do think that and I like Joe Ryan, I always did, but um I thought he was going to have a good year, and he has so far. But I think that this team's going to be fine. They probably played their worst baseball this season. I don't th- see them making like this many airs. You're not going to have Anderson with all these airs in an inning or whatever. 
Um, but same goes for the Cubs, right? Like we to bring this back to the Cubs, not maybe not their worst baseball this season, but they have had like they've had a tough stretch here, and I think that they're going to play a little bit better. Not in this series, I don't I don't see that really. But um, I don't know. We all we can do is hope for the best. What do you think for this series, though, Juice? Like we need to fly the W pick. Who is your fly the W Ooh. for the season? The only one you can really put any, you know, hope in is Ian Happ <laughs> right now, right? He's the only one that seems consistent. I'll take Ian Happ. Um, yeah, it, he seems to be the type of guy that gets up for games like this. I like it. I like it. That was probably – that was actually where I was going to go with mine. So I'm going to redirect. Gonna double it. up? I'm going to – no, no. I'm going to change directions here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with a guy that we talk – we kind of shit on all podcast. um let's let's go like straight narrative street taking it right down narrative street just shove it right down their freaking throat against your former team hyped up you talk about somebody who would be hyped up for the series that's true probably nick madrigal let's get some base hits dude let's get some freaking doubles like let's get some gappers i don't want to see little dribblers i don't want to see these ground outs just stop. Like, hit your line drives. I'll take singles. Madrigal, maybe an RBI single. Just get on base. Let's go with Madrigal. If he hits a bomb in this series, the the, the world is going to explode. So <laughs> uh, I'll be playing yeah. the lotto if that's the case. Yeah, we we might need to. Juice, any final thoughts? Though we kind of we touched on a whole bunch on this. We've we've been sitting here for over an hour and twenty minutes. Uh, I love it. We, it was all good yeah, baseball. I love it I love it. We uh, we had a lot to talk about. You know what I mean? We had uh, not a lot that was good to talk about, but there are some positive things to look forward to. I do like what I've seen from you know guys like Horner. We want to see Rivas play every day. Wisdom's been solid. Hap's been great. Seiya Suzuki, a little bit of a lull, but he's been – I mean, he just won NL player, a rookie uh, of the month, you know, in his first month in the major league. So that's impressive. Hats off to Seiya Suzuki. Um, and yeah, man, I don't know. Any, any last kind of thoughts here as we, uh, wrap this thing up and get ready for the Sox? Yeah. Hopefully the Cubs, uh, play a better series, play a better week of baseball than they did last week, but I'm actually going to pivot to something that's not Cubs related, just something that's going on uh, in the uh, world of sports. And that's, uh, Chicago bears legend, uh, Steve Mongo McMichael, uh, really struggling, can no longer swallow food and, kind of really struggling it seems like he's really battling hard he's still sticking sticking with it but um prayers up to him because you know he's somebody that when you think of the chicago bears like that's that's a name and a face that comes right you know when you when you think about that that logo and i i feel so bad for him i think that that's it's a tough disease that he lives with and you know he's fighting it he's trying his best to to keep going but that's you know it's a tough break for, for him and his, it is fight back. And uh, I'm just going to say prayers to, to Mongo. You know, that's, that's my last final thoughts for, um, for tonight's show and, and hopefully uh, a recovery, you know, it'd be nice. A, a turnaround would be nice to see, but um, yeah, poor guy. It, you know, it's think it's a type of guy that, you know, when you think about the bears, like I said, you think about him and, and he's done so much for the city too. And, and uh yeah, prayers to, to to Mongo. No doubt, I I'm glad you brought that up. That's uh that is huge. 
that I mean it's it's too bad what he's dealing with right now. I, I definitely prayers up to Mongo. Like one of my all time favorite moments is watching him from the the Wrigley doing the seventh inning stretch. Now that we're on this Cubs show, uh, talking about him, you know, because I do the Bears on tap too with Beaton, Quentin, and Ron. Uh, if you guys want to check that out, obviously. But Mongo, man, just him. Like well, that's one of my all time favorite moments. It's too bad to see him go through this, but. Um, him in the seventh inning stretch when he was yelling at Angel Hernandez, who was yeah. still still making a fool out of himself uh, as an umpire to this day. So it's like every time I see a horrible call from Angel Hernandez, I immediately think back to the time that Mongo was just like, I'll deal with that umpire later or whatever, and like blew him a kiss. Just incredible stuff. <laughs> just yeah, incredible. yeah, just, just horrible to – and you know, just to just to think too, when you know he was diagnosed, you know they raised over two hundred grand for him because he didn't have, you know, money to to go through a lot of the treatment. And I uh, I hope that you know he can keep continuing to beat it, and we can you know set up another donation for him. I don't know if yeah. that's the case in the future, but poor guy, I he's just he's a Bears great, and you know that's just ALS is a shitty disease. It's, it's horrible. And, uh, yeah, like, like I just, I just read more of it. Can't move his fingers, can't move his legs, uh, can't swallow food. So, um, yeah, yeah, not good. That's not good. That is, that is not good. Mongo, we're praying for you. We hope that you can kind of get back to, you know, I don't know, fight this thing off. It's a terrible, terrible disease. Um, yeah, we're thinking about you. Uh, you know, with, with that said, though, Juice, we got to kind of get out of here. I hate to end it on like a sour note like that, but no, but you had to. to be talked about. It's news that mm-hmm. uh, any Chicagoan you know needs to know as of right now to keep him in his pra- keep him in your prayers. Um, so yeah, no somber note, but uh, yeah, man, it's all right. Yeah. Well, prayers we to him. A- prayers to you, Mongo. Guys, with that said, we are going to wrap this up. Uh, check out all the content at ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports needs. We have Cubs stuff, obviously, Cubs on tap. We have uh, Sox stuff for you can check out some content before we play the Sox, before the Cubs take on the Sox tomorrow. As you're listening to this, it'll be tonight. If you're checking out podcast form, uh, Bulls on tap, Bears on tap. We just recapped the draft. Um you know, we've got beer reviews and stuff all on the website. Yeah, definitely check that out. Check out Juice at Juice on Tap. Check out uh, the other panelists. You know, we've got at Joe on Tap, Joe Maris, and our buddy who could not be here today. But, uh, Ron, we missed you uh, at Loose on Tap. And you can check out me at Joey Knows Nothing. And, of course, check out at Cubbies on Tap. And that'll wrap us up. Juice, what do we do? What do we say? We get out of here and, uh, yeah, what do you, what do you say? <laughs> Let's go Cubs. Let's go Cubs. <laughs>